huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Embargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, November 4th, 2021, and I'm coming crashing into the first week of November. Kevin, how are you doing? Hey, I'm uh, I'm vaxxed, waxed, and ready to go. It's like a jungle sometimes. I didn't need to know about the wax part, bro. It's like a jungle sometimes. I'm good, man. Um, I, you know, I I'm feeling great. I went to uh, went to my first indoor event. You know, kind of uh, post COVID stuff. I went to the Warriors game last night in San Francisco. Oh, you were there. That was a good game. Looked good. Yeah, yeah, it was. And you know, it was a trip, man. Just being there with. You know, they, they kind of, they want you, first of all, you got to show your um, VAC status when you go in. Uh, and then, you know, you've got to wear a mask unless you're actively eating or drinking. Uh, I'm not even sure how that works. I mean, most of us were wearing masks, you know, but occasionally people had them off. And there were a couple of people who got booted, actually. One guy who just refused, it appeared, refused to put a mask on. It's like the fourth quarter, about halfway through. And, you know, it got, he got a police escort out of the building. So I guess they're taking that, uh, that vax, uh, sorry, that mask thing pretty seriously. Wow. Were you in the cheap seats? Is that where that happened? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, not, not too, nothing there is, is cheap. We no, had, dude, the hundred dollars like is you touching the roof up there. It's, it's hundred $11 pretzels. Dave. <laughs> okay. Advertised go. as like Bavarian style, but they were clearly out of some freezer far from Bavaria, <laughs> you know, like, um yeah no it wasn't cheap the seats or the pretzels uh but it was great man it was fun to be back you know doing stuff like that and it kind of uh despite the masks you know it just kind of felt like old times and you know uh it was great to spend time with my middle son so it was great cool well we got a good show this week and i'm glad you went to the game and had fun and i've got a busy week this person we have been talking to for a while and he's been giving us uh, our guest this week has been talking to us for a while and he's been giving us feedback because he's pro. He knows what he's doing. You might know him from The Cube, where he was a host and a general manager interviewing everyone that mattered in enterprise tech for, for many years, right? Today, uh, he's left it. He's now the principal at Menlo Creek Media, where he's doing content strategy in an AI-driven asynchronous world. And that buzzword that we have there, that lingo, he's going to have to explain that to Kevin and me, really. And he's also doing executive leadership interview coaching and training. He's host of Turn the Lens. His name is Jeff Frick. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so uh, I'm so psyched to be here with you, Kevin and David. And congratulations on all your success with the embargo. Whatever you paid, whoever did that artwork, you should you should double whatever you paid them because that, uh, Good, that graphic that you guys have in the car is fantastic. Day. I don't know. Where do I get my T-shirt? That's all I want to know. We can help Ooh. you with that. We can help T-shirt. you with that. T-shirt's a good idea, Kevin, right? T-shirts, you know, coffee right. mugs. I'm all like a it. hoodie guy. Can we get a, can we do a hoodie? I, I know it's very it. Silicon Valley. I don't, you know, I don't know why, but it, yeah, I'm, I'm a hoodie guy. Uh, Jeff, it's great to have you on the show, man. Um, I, I have been following your work. I listened to the pod. 
Um, you know, I've been to the site, checked you out. I, I got to say, man, you got to take us through the buzzwords, man. What what the hell is an, uh, an AI-driven asynchronous word world and what does it have to do with uh, with content and media? Boy, we're jumping right in. So as you guys know, right, the, the goal of your clients is always discovery, right? Content discovery. How do we how do we find stuff to consume it? And back in the day, right, there was recommendations or maybe you got the newspaper, you watched the 11 o'clock news, whatever your, your channels were, maybe a couple of trade racks. But a lot of those have gone away. And my hypothesis is that, you know, more and more of your discovery is actually driven by notifications, which are powered by AI that want to keep you on the platform versus search. So what I mean by that is, you know, when you pick up your phone, as many times as we all pick up our phone, and you check your notifications, a lot of your consumption is driven by those notifications, as opposed to if you are actively searching for things. And my hypothesis is that an increasing percentage of what we consume is driven by those notifications. So what that means is what's driving the notifications? Well, if you watch Social Dilemma, it's really simple. They want to keep you on platform. They want to keep you on platform. So now as a content publisher, how do I use this to my advantage? And that's really, you know, kind of the basis of what I'm saying is use the tools, use LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitter's desire to keep you on platform to your advantage by doing a couple of things. One is, is feeding the AI, right? So make sure you're hashtagging, make sure you're engaging with people that are involved in the topics that you're involved with and you're commenting on their stuff. So there's training the AI and then there's feeding the AI, which is making sure the stuff that you publish is rich so that those search engines can find it. So that ultimately, you know, when you, Kevin, are engaged in some piece of content about a particular topic, hopefully the AI will see, hey, Jeff also published something about that. Hey, these guys have connected and traded messages before. I want to keep, I want to keep uh, Kevin on LinkedIn a little bit longer. Let me present this in his feed. Because remember, our feeds are not driven by uh, a, a temporal feed of the people we follow and what they publish. It's not by particularly our interest, it's driven by the platform's desire to keep you on platform. So how do we use that and, and use the, the tools like Netflix and Amazon and all these things that drive discovery today with AI and use that to your advantage as kind of a content publisher? So the word asynchronous, what do you define that for us laymen out there? Because my great. dad's listening to this. He it's wants great, to know. It's a great question, right? So it used to be, right, if I wanted to watch the news tonight at, at uh, 11, I could watch Channel 2, I could watch Channel 4, I could watch um, 8, you know, CBS, ABC, NBC, maybe Fox and PBS. If I chose to watch one of those, I couldn't watch the other. If we watch the Brady Bunch on Friday night at 8.30, you couldn't watch anything else. Okay, that's changed now because everything's available on demand. You know, I can watch you. I can listen to your podcast whenever it's convenient for me, not the day that you happen to publish it. So again, from now, so to use that for as kind of a content publishing point of view, if you publish things that are less temporal, more evergreen, they're higher level concepts that last longer, then you get much longer legs out of that content. So again, the AI hopefully is now working with that to serve it up based on content and what it contains versus some temporal thing. Um, 
which which doesn't which doesn't matter. And a great you know a great example, Dave. I use the, all the and time is, is that is, is that the word asynchronous? Is that what yeah? You're so talking asynchronous about? means right. It happens out of band. So if you sit and watch a keynote. Right. The production of that keynote, the delivery of the keynote and the consumption of that keynote all happen at the same time. OK, but if it's asynchronous, they can record that keynote whenever they can publish that keynote whenever and I can consume that keynote whenever. I mean, one of your podcasts earlier, you know, Kevin's talking about Hunter Thompson. So I went out and got the book. Right. The Great Shark Hunt. I mean, my consumption and enjoyment of this has zero from a temporal point of view when it was published and when Hunter S. Thompson wrote it down or even when Kevin suggested it. So that's what's so different. And that's where things like collaboration uh, become so powerful, because, for instance, there was a great uh, Joe Rogan, right, had um, had Jay Leno on and Jay Leno talked about why he doesn't do HBO specials because, you know, uh, uh, jokes are his craft and he doesn't like to, to put them out because then he says he can't use them anymore. And then Jay Leno had Rogan on talking about his 63 Corvette, I think that he has because, right, he's got a car show. Well, it turns out both of those shows were filmed like five years ago. And yet, you know, my consumption and enjoyment of that has absolutely nothing to do with when they were filmed um, and when they got published. So that's really what the asynchronous is. It's now broken. It's not don't make me come based on the time that's convenient for you. Let me consume when it's convenient for me in the moment that I'm interested in the topic, hopefully, and actually engage in a platform with the right type of media and the right type of content duration. So, so wait a minute. So five years from now, we're going to have Jay Leno stuff for the embargo. Our first 30 shows here are going to be consumed along the way because people can consume it when they want because it's on Spotify iTunes and what? Great. Great. Kevin, we have a future ahead of us. Fantastic. Yeah, this, PR, <laughs> this PR thing's not going to last. I'm, I'm sure of that, right? So, so let's back up a little bit, right? So, you know, th this idea of asynchronous content delivery and consumption, you know, it's enabled by the internet, obviously, and all the, the tools of the internet. But, you know, does that mean that if you're, and, and by the way, I assume that your customers, your clients, the people that you're working with, are uh, you know are, are mostly like B two B software and hardware B two B tech companies is that yeah, right B two B B two B hardware so so when did this SaaS. strategy I mean is it is it just is it just the internet that caused the shift in strategy for these companies over the last say ten years or is there some other reason why companies B two B companies need to shift the way that they're approaching content when, when did this happen why did it take off well, a couple of reasons one is you know I just look. I look at what's happening in B2C. I look at what's happening on YouTube. I look at what's happening on Netflix. I look at what's happening on Amazon. And it's basically just a recommendation engine. All this is is a recommendation engine on steroids. And what's flipped is it's changed from, again, search to notification. That's what's really flipped. And the other big enabler, Kevin, is something as simple as a DVR. Because remember, back in the day, right, if you missed The Wizard of Oz when it came on once a year, you missed you're it. You're out of luck. Yeah, you're out you of luck. You missed it. And if you had yeah. to go to the bathroom when the monkeys came on or you went and got popcorn, you missed mm -hmm. it, right? Right. So it's a, very, it's a very different way to think about the world when you can see what you want when you want to see it. But what's really flipped, I think, is, is two things. One is the notifications. And, it's, and also, it's notifications on your phone that you carry with you all the time, right? So there's these micro, these kind of micro moments of consumption when you're standing in line at the grocery store 
and you pick up your phone and you check it, you're more likely to scroll your notifications and your feed than you are to actually search for something, unless you have an idea, right? And you still will search for something. But uh, my hypothesis is that an increasing percentage will be driven by notifications versus search. So it has, it has huge impacts on, you know, revenue and advertising, all kinds of stuff. I gotta say though, I, you know, I was thinking about this idea the other day, do you get notification fatigue that's like a thing for me. Like, you do know, I get I'm, notifications for what? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Uh, fatigue, fatigue. Are you oh, sure. exhausted by it? Like, you know, I'll find myself, you know, I, you know, I can't say, you know, I'm in my house. It's, you know, in the evening, I got older kids. We've all got devices. My wife's got devices. There, there's pings and pops and beeps and buzzes constantly. Sure. Right. And I find myself kind of going, I don't want to hear another one of those. I'm going to turn these things off or I'm at the grocery store and, you know, my phone is buzzing or whatever it is. And I wonder if, you know, whether it's B2B or B2C or whatever you're getting notifications about, I think at some point we're all going to be, um, I feel a little worn out. I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Oh, sure you do. But there's also a softer part of it too, right? Which is your feed, right? So your feed on LinkedIn is not a temporal feed based on the people you follow in the order in which they published, right? It's a feed based on LinkedIn's uh, highest probability to keep you there. Right. Where you really see it, Kevin, is say, say there was an event, you know, like Thanksgiving or something, where there's a holiday. And so people, you know, post for, for whatever they did on that holiday or 4th of July, or whatever. And then you'll see like days later, three, four, five, six days later, suddenly you'll get a post where someone posts, hey, we're at Lake Tahoe for the 4th of July having a picnic. Well, why is that coming up now? It's, it's six days old. And it, it really kind of uh, throws it in your face that that feed is really based on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook or whomever's uh, desire to hold you on platform, not not temporal based on your on your uh, friends. So uh, th- there's some implications here that I think that are applicable to any communications person, and I, I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into that. But first, I want to address Kevin's notification thing. I've actually turned everything off. I I I I even unsubscribed to a bunch of newsletters and everything, and I went straight to where I get it on my time. I, I use Steedly to monitor news, right? So it's a, it's an old school RSS reader. I, I just I just couldn't take it anymore. Right? Sure. It's like disconnect, and so now I go after it and I find myself to be a little bit more peace. But uh, the thing that you're talking about, Jeff, has huge implications for marketers and businesses in terms of how they're creating content. And I've been advising clients recently, okay, yeah, you know, we'll do the media relations, we'll do the press release, we'll get this news out here. But I think we we need to start owning content and just putting it out there in right. every way, whether it's, it's a simple Zoom chat like this and an audio that we put out, you know, on a podcast, or if it's a slick production where we hire somebody like the Cube, right, to, to right, do something. Right. We need to start creating that content and making it available because unlike a press release or an event, it's not a moment in time. It is a um, consumption of, of knowledge or, or, or help and advice that we can put out there. Well, the other really important piece to this, and I, I call it Conti's Law, Jack Conti from Patreon talks about it ad nauseum in a number of talks that I, that I reference, which is you never know which piece of content's going to hit. And unfortunately, it has no correlation to the effort you put into it, the importance you think it has, and how hard it was to publish. 
And so, and he goes through, you know, music artists and, and, and writers and all these people, right? And so the answer to that question is then don't worry about it. And to what you just said, David, just keep publishing and publish in a variety of formats, a variety of durations, a variety of platforms. And you don't really worry about which pieces hit or not because Conti's law number two is the funnel is your friend. Take a VC approach. You're, you're, taking, a, you're taking really more of a portfolio approach some things are going to hit, some things are not. But if, you don't, if you're less worried about the efficacy of one individual piece, then you just keep publishing and don't sweat it if the thing that you worked so hard at blew up. And then, you know, something you threw together in 10 minutes on your way to a meeting because it struck you is the thing that suddenly, you know, gets all the action. So, um, no, Jeff, I, I hear you, man. It, it makes sense. I get why, why companies would do that. But I got to say that the idea makes me uncomfortable. I mean, I, um, not that I haven't dabbled in, you know, the art of pumping out a bunch of content, uh, for, for my clients, but, you know, that we're just, we're, there's so much content, right. And we're just drowned by it. And it's, so it's hard to find like, what's good, what's credible, what should I pay attention to? And I hate to think that the answer to that is like, well, screw it. Let's just push more shit out there. Which is just put more out there and let the algorithms do whatever they need to do and figure out what I need to pay attention to. I think there's some value in like scarcity in this notion of when we say something, it's going to matter and then you should pay attention to it, not, hey, we're just going to dump as much stuff on you as we possibly can and hope something gets through. There's certainly there's certainly something to be said for scarcity, uh, for sure. But again, the the other piece of this that's very different is in the old days you couldn't target individuals. You had a broadcast model where you put it in a pub or you put it in a newspaper or you put it in a whatever, and you had some shit conversion rate, uh, which was very very small. Right today, I can actually find out who the CMOs are of the top 500 companies in the Fortune 500 with LinkedIn. And I can find out who all the DNI people are. I can find out who all the product people are. So the point being, I can actually start to target the actual individuals that matter. So if I'm actually publishing content that matters to them and providing value, it's not really spraying and it's not really going to a broad audience. I try to keep it really to the audience that matters to the topics that matter. No, I, I get you. I get you. I just think, you know, like I've done some work with some clients recently on research around email marketing, as an example. And, you know, some of that data came back showing that marketers were going to, you know, double the amount of marketing messages they send over the next couple of years. And so whether you're kind of an email, an email, yeah, which is just like, it just offends me at like a, a very like, you know, visceral level. Like I just can't possibly imagine getting twice as many email marketing messages two years from now as I mean, yeah. now I'm already overwhelmed there. I mean, basically, thank God for Google, right? Because it's dumping all of it into some spam folder for the most part. But my point is like, even if you're targeting these people, like what you're really seeking is engagement. Correct. What you really want is like a personalized message that engages someone. You don't want to hit that person over the head over and over, no matter how targeted that message might be. But I feel like there's a line, an important line, right? Between like, hey, I've figured out who you are and what I want to say to you. And I'm going to tell it to you and I'm going to tell it to you over and over again. And I, I don't want to, I would, I would encourage my clients, you know, you know, don't cross that line or, or find that line or figure out what that line is and 
you know, be sensitive to it. Yeah, but you're but you're talking about an old an old way where you're basically spamming them with email. If if I'm hearing it, it right, it, right, it's it's push versus right? having a it doesn't have to be email. It doesn't it. have to be email. It could be on LinkedIn too. My point yeah, is, but don't like, even no, but no, no, no. You don't. You're not hitting them directly over and over and over. But you're adding value to the topic over and over and over. Um, and so well, you're establishing you're relationship value. and trust. I guess you're right, but it, it assumes that you're adding value every time you reach out. And Correct. I think that's the point, right? But so that's the point, right? I don't know if it's realistic for most companies to add value, you know, with constant communication. I think it's more like, hey, I'm going to add value today. You might hear from me again they in better. weeks or in a month or a month after that when I can add value again, as opposed to, you know what? This is incremental value. I don't know if yeah. I need incremental value on a day-to-day basis. So. I, you know, I, I would push back because it depends on what are they talking about, right? If you're talking sure. about product releases and stuff, right, that doesn't change that often. But one, another one of my hypotheses is that as a leader, you should not be really talking about the product and the service that much, but you should be talking about the foundational principles that make it important. So what are the mega market trends? Those don't change and, the, and, and there's hot shit happening every single day. What are your foundational principles? Those, those are super hot and there's plenty to contribute to that every day. Um, and then what is your culture and how are you driving culture? So again, even if you publish on those topics most every day, the algorithm's not gonna deliver it to your consumer every day. So it's the difference of, of showing thought leadership in an area versus targeting individuals with messages that you think are important. Yeah, I'm- My favorite guy to watch is Vittorio Viarongo. If, wa- if you don't follow him, follow him. Great guy, he works at VMware, he worked at McAfee, he's been around the block a lot, but he publishes on everything from making focaccia bread to playing rock and roll music to cloud, to Italian culture, to whatever. So if you look at the variety um, and the frequency that he publishes, it's crazy, but you'll get to know him and he becomes a trusted voice so that when it becomes time for him to talk about the business, I feel like I know this guy. Yeah. And so I'm going to listen a little bit different than just somebody that I yeah, don't know. This, this discussion is actually, uh, it brings me to um, a subject that's happening this week, actually. Backblaze, which is a, a, a startup IPO out of San Mateo, is filing to go public. Uh, if you're not familiar with Backblaze, they, they basically take all your computer data and uh, you know back it up in the cloud. So it's not on-premise in your house, but like it's mostly for consumers. I've used it on my computers and my wife's computers, et cetera. It's not a very big company, but they're going to go IPO next week. But TechCrunch wrote that a central core of them was they wrote content to help power customer acquisition. And it was a big customer. And if you go to their content site, it's like how to back up your iPhone in the cloud, right? And it really wasn't about their services. It was about a simple thing of a very popular, you know, back up your computer. And they have hundreds of articles like this and they've grown this business to like hundreds of customers and they're about to go public. Right. Right. And I think Jeff, I think that, and I'm sure they took that beyond their blog, put it on a YouTube video, put it on in LinkedIn, tweeted it on social, dropped it in a Reddit forum. Right. Or, or it was probably shared in a rent form by some random user here, read this article. And it be, that's the value add I think is there. And I think, you know, I think that's what you're talking about, Jeff. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like open source, right? I mean, the whole open source ethos is you share, 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 
And then somebody pays you to apply your knowledge to their specific problem. So it, it is a very different way. I mean, another, you know, it's kind of information asynchron asynchronous, uh, not asynchronicity, but, um, you know, where it's just people, some one person has the info and the other person doesn't. Well, in 2021 with the internet, information is readily available. So what I'm looking for, to your point, Kevin, is trusted advisors to help me sort through it. So be that person that helps me sort through the madness, not the person who's just sending me more information because yeah, information is cheap. It is. It's super cheap, right? And actually what Dave said a second ago made me think about, or Jeff, maybe you said it, but share, share, share. And where do we find that share, share, share is, is in social media, right? And then actually, I think that's kind of, uh, I don't know, you know, not to, uh, not to push back again, but, you know, I, I do feel like there's just, uh, there's just so much sharing. And then, you know, it, what you, back to your point, Jeff, where like this gentleman you mentioned before, he's sharing all kinds of stuff about his focaccia bread or whatever else he's talking about. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got a bunch of followers and he's got this brand and, we still don't know if he's credible. We just know that he, you know, he shares a lot. Do we really well, No, No, you know, he's credible based on the other content that he shares and who he shares it with. And he has a track record. So, you know, there's, there's a track there's... record of sharing, and I guess a track record of sharing credible information. But I think my point is, you know, we have the ability to share so much Yeah. and, and everybody, you know, on social media, especially right. Every share, share, share. My opinion matters. My opinion matters. And it's like, yeah, I'm really not sure. Uh, it does like just because you have the ability or the just because you're capable of sharing over and over again. I think my point is it doesn't mean you should. Well, right? I don't I don't disagree. And if you had nothing to say, you should keep your mouth shut. No, no doubt about it. But if you're in a Amen leadership position running a company, your primary job is communications to your guys benefit. I mean, that is your job. So your job is communicating to both existing employees and hopefully potential employees. Right. Cred credible. Just to, just to qualify that statement, credible communications, credible. Communications. Oh, absolutely. No, if it's not yeah. credible and authentic and real and of value, then, you know, you, you shouldn't be, I mean, these are not the people that you and I are dealing with and we're not talking about, you know, TikTok people that are just trying to blow stuff up and not doing anything. I'm but talking about find... leaders in executive roles at tech companies that need to get the word out. And I think but those no. people aren't always credible either, right? They're just, I mean, there's a million of them, right? There's startups all over the place. There's just because you started a company or you're a founder or an executive of a tech company doesn't make you credible. Uh, it doesn't make you credible, but you better sure try to be if you're going right. to be yeah, successful yeah. and raise yeah. money and get customers and, yeah, yeah, and that, employees. Yeah, that's the work that you have to do as, a, as an entrepreneur and founder. You know, Aaron Levy at Box is a great example of this, right? You know, I mean, he started Box, a storage company. I don't know why storage is a topic today, but it seems to be them back up in storage. But young, young cat, right? And super smart, obviously. But he was sharing all the time, right? And doing right. his thing. And he's kind of, I actually like to follow him. He's really he's wicked, switched on. And, but when he started, I think he was already doing that. But over time, as he succeeded in business, credibility was, already, was building over time and built in as he grew the business, right? And so I think it helped all along, right? And you know, what builds, you know what builds credibility, Dave, is having a good product that works and that- uh, Well, he had that too. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got, that's my point though, right? I mean, again, yeah, just, being, just because product. you're a tech exec with a, with, a, you know, with a bunch of money from a venture capital firm in your bank account doesn't make your company good or your product good or well, your, your story credible. Well, there's a, the other argument of there's plenty of successful companies and we don't know who the leaders are. 
we barely hear about them. Exactly. You know, exactly. Do you, do you, Jeff, do you need this? Why do we need this asynchronous world? Right. Because no one is going to show up to your event at Tuesday at nine. (laughs) I got shit to do. I got customers. Right. There you go. To show up at your event at Tuesday at nine. I'll watch it when I have time. Exactly. My calendar. There's a, there's a cloud. There's a, there's a project management board I use and they, I love it. And they had, they had a conference and it was at Tuesday at nine, Jeff, no kidding. Right. I didn't make that. Right. But I made it at Friday at four. I watched an hour of the show, right. You know, of the event. Right. So well, but I think when the it was asynchronous nature of content is super important. Like actually, like, I mean, you could argue, although, yeah. So you could argue shows like on Netflix that you're, you know, that, that just show up and you can binge them or you can watch them whenever you want. Like there's, those are great. Like that's really changed the way that we consume, you know, TV and, and movies for sure. There's no question about it, but there's also something to be said just on the flip side of that argument for having to wait a week until the next episode of succession shows up. There like, there's, is, there's nothing wrong with percentage. There, there is, but an increasing percentage of the people that are small, that eat food at your house, that you're paying their bills for don't consume that way. <laughs> Appointment TV is done. Even a, even a 49er game or a warrior game, I'll DVR and start it an hour late. So this concept that people are going to show up to the time that you think is important, unless it's a really big draw. And if it's Steve Jobs kicking off a new phone, he'll draw it. But I think it's especially a if Steve Jobs attitude. is doing kicking off a new phone. I got to see that. Back. I'm showing What's up that? for that. If he, if yeah, you'll he, be there. Climbs out of the grave and he wants to uh, show <laughs> but, the new Jeff, iPhone. I'm, I'm showing but, up but, for that. But, but to expect people to show up at your event. I mean, how many events were this week, right? There was Microsoft had their show. There's a ton of shows this week. You know, I can't be at all of them at the same time. And, and, and why should I be? I should be able to consume those when I'm ready. Now, there's certainly a benefit to being live, and I'm not taking away from that at all. But the ability to not be live opens up way more content opportunities. And in this opportunity for us today, I mean, we wouldn't have to drive that far. But if we were meeting at David's house, you know, we'd be sitting in traffic for hours um, yeah. each hey, way. So sticks, man. I think I think... <laughs> I think rather than lament the change of the past, it's not the way that it was, take advantage of the opportunity and the technologies that are here today to your advantage. And that's where I think most people are still stuck trying to get people to show up at my webinar at nine on Tuesday. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff is right. Like there's only a few things that Americans are showing up for live, right? And like, whether it be in person or at home on the TV, it's like, it's like the Super Bowl or the NBA Finals, and that and that's about it, right? Or or the Grammys right. or whatever it is that you're interested. In. There's very few things that you're putting on schedule because you can watch it whenever you want. Yeah. And I think it's the same in 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 uh, in this tech world that we operate in. Like we, one of my clients had eighty thousand people register for a conference. Only twenty thousand showed up on the day one. But over the next few months, 80,000 people watched the show, you know, over the next day because they right. really got the content over time. Jeff, I want to I want to switch gears a little bit here. And I think we covered this a lot. I want to talk about this AI part of it, the AI driven of it. And you said just put it everywhere. Something will stick. Now, you know, if you look at BuzzFeed and uh, Vox and some of these other newer uh, publications for a while there, they were really gaming the system. Right. They were 
Facebook, they were gaming Facebook and knowing the AI and the algorithms and made, knew what stuck, stick, stuck. And, you know, they got a lot of traffic out of it. Facebook changed the algorithm. It was weird. How do we, how do we get into the AI thing? How do we make it stick? Do we game it or are we just, are we just posting it? Are we writing compelling headlines and content? Are we tagging things? What do we do to there to be successful at this? I think I think we move away from broadcast with shit conversion to targeting the people that really matter. Because the other thing too, Kevin, that you can do today is is the binge watching. I mean, there is the waiting for the week, but there's also the thing where people watch eight seasons at the same time. So if you got really great content, you know, I want and I want to go deep. I want to go really deep, which you know you couldn't really do before. You didn't really have the uh, opportunity. But to, to answer your your point, David, I think gaming is stupid. You're only gaming yourself. Right. Mm. So we there's this huge rush and everybody publishes these big numbers and everyone knows where these numbers come from. I mean, you know, does anyone audit all the advertising money that moves around? I mean, is there is there a Nielsen for online advertising audit that actually sees how many of these ads are seen? Anyway, it's it's crazy. So I would not get into that game and I would specifically be authentic and target the messaging to the audience that matters for you with the people that matter in your world, which is a very small group of people. When you really break down how many buyers there are, you know, kind of really how big the community is, it's not that big. So I think gaming them for numbers is stupid and it's feeding an old paradigm, which was based on broadcast with shit conversion. Not to mention like good luck figuring out Google's algorithm or LinkedIn's algorithm. Like, I I don't know if you know how you go about doing something like that. Right. So that's why I go back to Conti's thing. The funnel is your friend. Don't sweat it. Just keep publishing. But I do go back to social dilemma. And I'm sure you guys saw that documentary and that scene I thought was so powerful with the three guys watching the individual, you know, one's advertising, one's retention. I forget what the other one is. And all they want to do is just keep you there. So again, what's the best way to keep you on platform? Not with a shitty headline and a spammy headline. It's actually to have good content that I'm interested that I'm going to actually hang on content or hang on platform and consume. So I I think if you're gaming it, you're just gaming yourself and you're coming up with numbers. But this whole idea though, that this whole idea of, of these content platforms kind of sitting around trying to figure out how to keep us there makes me feel really unclean about PR, to be honest with you. Like, I, I well, hate that notion. I'm, I'm not saying, I, look, I get it. I know that's yeah, the game yeah, yeah, yeah. Plan, but that just is really, that's just ugly, right? Like nobody wants to be a part of that. I feel like I need a shower, man. It just sounds like, you know, they're, I just feel used after something like that. Well, unfortunately, uh, the good news is though, you've got a publishing platform that has how many average daily users on it every single day that you can leverage, right? So that's the other thing is now this whole idea of come to my website, it's just stupid, right. right? How many people are on Facebook? How many people are on LinkedIn? How many people are on Twitter? How many people are on Instagram? How many people are on these platforms? So that's the other thing that's very, very different, right? Is you can publish too. I mean, look at your guys' fantastic, your fantastic podcast, right? You're on Spotify and Apple uh, and probably Audible. I didn't even look. Okay, what kind of platform distribution do you get by having access to that? You probably publish through one syndication engine and you, and you push out to all those people. So- we yeah, can just send an email or send a listeners, too. That's another way to go. Yeah, two we sides, every coin. 
but you know, and you know what? And the cost is low too, right? So like yeah. we can do like do that. And we're not even publishing on YouTube, which we should probably should be doing, right? Because that's a visual medium that we can do. Hey, we've got faces made for radio, buddy. We should stick, <laughs> stick, stick to the podcast. Hey, listen, uh, this has been a great discussion and I think it's very rich, but I just scrolled through the agenda and we've got a lot to cover. <laughs> so I want to move on to the next topic here. And I don't know even where to begin. Jeff, I, I'm going to let the... Um, guests kind of figure out what you want to talk about but in between all of this one of the things we, we we hopped right into it i want to know what you're doing at menlo creek media and just give us a little bit of uh information about the work you're doing today sure so a lot of it is very it's very ties back to what we've been talking about so i'd like to work with you know leaders of companies and i'm basically trying to tell them that a they need to have a content strategy that takes advantage of this thing that we talked about which is getting content out frequently and being authentic in their content. The other thing I talked to them about is really a, a structure in the way that they do their content. Kind of going back to what we talked about, focus on the inputs, not the output. Kind of like when you go to a nice restaurant and they tell you that you know it's all farm to table and the great ingredients are local, et cetera. So you know, what are the big mega trends, right? These are things that are not temporal. They're gonna be going for a while. What's your foundation as a company? Who are you, where are you from? Why you do the things you do? And then what's your culture? in terms of what are the activities and stuff that you can actually point to on a calendar that make your company who it is. And then the output of that is a product or a service or a company. But in telling the leaders to focus on those other things because their job is now communications and their job now is to constantly be looking for talent, constantly be pitching, you know, whether it's analysts or it's the press or it's customers, investors, et cetera. So those are really kind of the messages. And then we go very simple and just do mock interviews, as you might imagine, and break down the tape and do it very much like a sports thing. Because another thing I tell people, Dave Patrick from Schwab, right? It's just a skill. You just got to practice. You just got to go to the batting cage and take your swings. And so don't overly worry about how perfect it is or if you make too many ums or whatever, just get in the habit of doing it. Um, and with, with, uh, practice becomes, you know, you'll get more skill. You work out the kinks. So how yep. much of the work that you're doing is video specific as opposed to other, other kinds of content, I guess, written content or, or, or audio content. Are you, is most of the work that you're doing video based? So here's the beauty of video is you get audio and text thrown in for free. Right. So I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent that it should be, you know, kind of a cross media type. So it's video text and, 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 uh, images as well as audio, and it should be across duration from a quick hit couple seconds to an hour long, or, you know, you guys go for an hour, depending on what the audience is. And so take that. So if you take a video as your base unit, I can create a hundred derivative assets from that base unit in the form of LinkedIn articles, uh, you know, Spotify podcasts, um, uh, clips on Twitter, with quotes, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I, I use video as the base just because I get all those derivative assets for free. And is that a, a, a relatively easy tool for companies, your clients to use video specifically? I mean, like how, like, cause I, I talk to companies all the time. They're like, yeah, we want to do something different. We want to do something with a video aspect to it. Like what's the, like the practical approach to something like that? Like, how do you, what, what, what are some like tips you could give a company that want to get into video specifically? Um, one is just like everything we always hear from everyone we talk to, right? Just get started. And I have gear sheets so I can also help them. And I have a whole thing on my thing with resources, kind of that open source. So here's kind of cameras and shit that you can buy 
uh, to get started that I feel confident. It's not full reviews. Um, and then just start getting in, in and having practice. But if you focus more on some of these evergreen topics, so the, the format that I usually go with on an interview is pretty simple. So one, what's the catalyst? Why are we having this conversation? And that could be, you know, kind of typical stuff you guys work with a press release, an announcement, something in the news, you did something. So there's some catalyst, right? A. Second one is tie the catalyst back to the macro. Why is this important? What are the big megatrends that this supports? Why should I care? Why should I pay attention? Why should I go tell my friend after I get done eating, you know, consuming this content? And then the third leg is then usually the micro, which is your personal journey. How did you get here? What's your story? What makes you tick, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that either either for an interview or even for a leader, because again, they're trying to get people to join their journey. That's their new job. So helping them work on kind of that messaging and tying those things together. Thank you for that. Join the journey. All right. We got a couple more segments here and we've got to wrap this up pretty quickly, but I do want to hit on something, right? And so Jeff, you listened to a couple of shows and you, you, you reached out to us before the thing, uh, before getting on air. And we're pretty good at lamenting about tech media and traditional media and things of that nature and how it's changed for a couple old uh, non-stodgy guys like us, me and Kevin. So I wanted to talk about the changing world of traditional and historic business press. And you gave me a, a, a great analogy about tower records. Um, can, we, can you talk a little bit about that in your view of the world? And I think it aligns to what we were discussing previously that despite the minimization of media, I guess, or the decline of general media, fragmentation or whatever, there's actually more opportunities than ever um, for PR folks and communications and and leaders. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Right. So I follow a guy by the name of Bob Lefsitz. And if you don't follow him, I I suggest you did. I was recommended 10 years ago and he follows the music industry and the music industry is interesting because it was way out in front on digital transformation. Right. They were way out in front in in, because it's digital asset. You know, they converted from CDs to MP3s. Then you had, um, you know, Sean Fanning and free distribution. Then you had iTunes selling dollar assets, et cetera. So it keeps changing. And so, yeah, we can lament there's no tower and we love tower. And we used to have CDs and records and flip through. But the fact is on Spotify, I can get almost any song that's ever been created delivered to me now, wherever I am. There's, there's, more, there's more artists available now on Spotify than I could ever get access to. So the gate of distribution, which is the most powerful gate out there, whether that be for media, whether that be for goods and services, is broken with the internet. It's broken down. Now, the bad news is you've got the attention problem. So now you're competing on the attention front with infinite more, more uh, competition, but it's actually a richer environment than it's ever been, right? Time Magazine doesn't come to my house anymore. And if it did, it's got like six pages. And yet there's so many more online publishing opportunities and there's so many more distribution of content options rather than just Time, Newsweek, and my daily newspaper. While yes, it's sad that Time's not the rag that it used to be, nor is Saturday Evening Post, nor is Life. But there's actually more content opportunities and more publishing opportunities than there's ever, ever been. So it's a golden time for publishing. I'll tell you though, I got to be the the old guy in the room again, but like in the proliferation and fragmentation media, I think is a bad thing overall, right? I mean, it's it's unfortunate that we don't have time or life or Walter Cronkite on the six o'clock news, because now we have, like you're you're saying, you know, a million publishers 
and nobody knows what to believe and the dissemination of you know fake news and false information and misinformation inaccuracies is everywhere and and that's you know that's creating all kinds of problems in society and so I, it's like we i don't know if we can put that genie back in the bottle but i wish we could i'd like to get back to a time where we kind of knew uh, who was saying something that was credible versus somebody just, you know, having a platform to say anything they wanted. Well, there's, there's so many layers to that. We need like three more episodes, but I, you're right. I mean, there is no common myth that we're all tied to. If you read Sapiens, which could be represented by Walter Cronkite and the fact we did all watch Walter Cronkite at six o'clock every day. So we did have a same narrative, but that, that genie's not going back in the bottle. And you're absolutely right. There's a lot of concern about AI driven, uh, algorithms and how they direct behavior and change behavior. I mean, if you wake up one day and you go to Starbucks to get a coffee because you got a coupon in your phone and you think, oh my gosh, for, for like $2, not even 50 cents of marginal water and a cup, they're changing my behavior. So, so you're absolutely right, Kevin. There's some significant you know, potential problems here with you know, kind of this mass hyper-personalization. You, you wake up one day and Donald Trump is president, right? I mean, that's, that's, right. that's, that's what happens, right? And so- Right, but, but as a- that, that, but That's as a, a scary pro, proposition. And I, I, I yeah, don't know how to deal with that, that exactly. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, we have to work within the world in which we're given, right? We, we, we can't change it. So there's definitely a lot of concerns. Bev Crear from Intel, who's not Intel anymore, she brought this up years ago, Grace Hopper, when you suddenly have recommendation engines driving- content consumption choices. And the other thing that's really disheartening, which I'm sure you heard, was the algorithms giving a 5x score to the negative. And the other thing, if you follow politics, right, is you can't raise money in the middle. So the push to the edges is a whole, like I say, that's a whole nother topic. And I don't disagree with you at all. There's a lot of scary things. All that said, you know, from kind of a professional trying to get your comms and messaging out, this is a world that we live in. So rather than lament what you don't have, you got to try to play, play ball with the, uh, with the cards that you're dealt to mix four metaphors into one. <laughs> play, play, play the AI well, cards. Well yeah. Yeah. All right. It's game time, Kevin. You got a couple games ready to go for us today. Sure. Actually, this is a good segue, this conversation, this part of the conversation into the, uh, what would Zuckerberg do game? <laughs> because, you know, he's, he's one of our favorite targets on the show. Oh, my uh, gosh. You know, and uh, he's jackass. And, and the whole meta thing is just, you know, talking about making my, my stomach turn, like with all the social media stuff. I don't want any of it. But, you know, I just thought like this guy, you know, he basically positioned himself as the guy who's going to lead us into the future. Uh, God forbid. And I just thought, like, what if we came up with like some scenarios that came up and, and, you know, Zuckerberg had to do something about each of them. So I'm going to throw some, some concepts at you guys and you just tell me, nope, you know, you guys can take turns or whatever. What would Zuckerberg do, right? The, the guy that's supposed to, to save us all and, and lead us into the metaverse. You guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you don't know Jeff, where this is going. Guys, I don't know where anybody, go. Jeff's going, what the fuck is Kevin yeah, talking yeah. about here? Like, if I have no idea what Kevin just said. Visit, you know, he's just right down the street. Yeah, yeah. If, we, if we publish this video, you everybody would have. Oh my Jeff's goodness. face his was PR, a thousand. PR lady used to live just <laughs> like a down. I want off. Get me the hell out of here. This is <laughs> fucking crazy. All right, here we go. Scenario number one. Coming up to your house, David. <laughs> exactly. It's going to take a long time to get there. Eight, scenario number one alien invaders come to Earth demanding to know who is in charge. What would Zuckerberg do? So they're asking him. 
No, nope. they show up. Okay. They show up. They, they show up. You know, and and they you know blast out. You know, they got this mega microphone, right? Because they're aliens and they've got like super tech stuff. And they go, "Who is in charge?" <laughs> so what 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 does Zuckerberg do? What's his move? He would say something to the effect of, "Have you checked in with your home people on WhatsApp yet?" <laughs> <laughs> we added your planet to WhatsApp. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? What would Zuckerberg do? <laughs> Who is in charge? We need to know. Does Zuckerberg like go, it's me? Or does he, yeah, maybe it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you kind of like, like that on Facebook? Like, what's his move? I don't know. He would, he would ask, what platform are you on? There so you I go. know, what part of meta are you on? And then we can talk. All right. All right. <laughs> Scenario number two, Jack Dorsey challenges Zuckerberg to a pay-per-view fight with the winner earning the right to defecate in the lobby of the loser's company. What would Zuckerberg do? <laughs> why, why are you going to take it that far? <laughs> My goodness. I don't know, man. I'm trying to come. It's like six o'clock in the morning when I invented this shit. I don't know what I'm doing here. What does Zuckerberg do? He doesn't play. He doesn't fight. He would. He would really? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Jeff? So. Yeah, I think he just goes he goes surfing on his uh on yeah. his little hydro board that he's got. Yeah, the hydro board. Okay. Yeah. He, he chased me. Out. Yeah, he probably right, challenges chase me yeah. on that. All right, Dorsey he's... wins. All right. Scenario number three millions of Americans blame Zuckerberg for enabling excuse me, for enabling the proliferation of hate speech on the internet. What does Zuckerberg do? He takes his PR people to tell them the exact opposite. Yeah, that's what's Which going is on. This is, like, Which is exactly this one, right? what this is what's happening today. This is what is happening today. Right. And so, Jeff, yeah. I don't know if you've been following this, but all the comms people I found on the internet are blown away by the reaction to the pressure that they've had with the uh, with the with the, with the Facebook meta. papers. Yeah, with the Meta and the Facebook papers mostly. Right, right? and they, they are actively attacking journalists. They're actively saying other things. I saw a poll. He's an upcoming guest, by the way. Bob Picard will be joining us soon. Zuckerberg? A, We're having Zuckerberg on the show? No, Bob Picard is going to want to come on after this. I, I think Bob's joining us next week. And Bob okay. put a poll up and he says, who do you believe? Um, Zuckerberg or Hagen, the Facebook papers leaker, you know, and she's, uh, was it her Anna? I don't have her name in front of me right Francis, now. Francis, Francis Francis, right. Yeah. Uh, who do you believe? The poll, the Twitter poll, literally like 500 people voted on it. 98% people believe Francis all the way, right? You know, nobody believes that. Right. Yeah, they're the most hated tech company in the world. All right, two more scenarios for you. Uh, Disneyland announces a new ride called the Zuckerberg, which <laughs> makes you sick, makes you feel like you need a shower, and is a huge waste of time. What does Zuckerberg do? He digitizes it. puts it in the metaverse. <laughs> it's in the metaverse. It's in the metaverse. Yeah, it's in the metaverse. <laughs> What's crazy about the metaverse thing is, that's second life didn't that already happen and or yeah i, I went the other day second life is still there but it, <laughs> wow, have a I, don't, I, I don't need to be there <laughs> yeah 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 i agree but i'm doing it. enough content promotion here right so we already decided all right one more for you here the city of menlo park where facebook is based and where where i'm based announces a special tax whereby facebook has to take that stupid thumbs up sign in front of its building and make it adjustable so anyone walking by can decide to turn it thumbs down if they feel like it. <laughs> what does Zuckerberg do? 
I think he'd call the city manager and say, now, how much tax revenue are we? <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? That's probably what he would yeah, do. You're right, Jeff. That's, that's a good scenario. Like the, the city Somebody, manager hey, in Mountain View with Google, same thing. You sh- right. There's five council members in your town, Kevin. You can get them to do that. Yeah, <laughs> so, that yeah. is funny, though. I like that. That's creative, though. I like that on a spinner. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll keep going here, or we want to go? I got another game, a quick one, if you want to yeah, go into it. Okay. All right. right. Uh, This one we're calling the headline game. All right. I'm going to read a headline from the week and you tell me if it's true or false. Simple game, right? Got five of them for you. Um, All right. First one, fish found with parasite that eats its tongue and then becomes its tongue. True or false? I'm saying true because I don't know who could make up that sentence. (laughs) Go ahead. I'll just I'm getting all wrapped up just trying to get the sentence and I'm getting inside to myself. Yeah. So this, this, okay. So I'm reading this article. This, the tongue eating louse attaches itself to the fish's mouth and then replaces the tongue. <laughs> true when the louse eat, it's got to be true, right? It, it is. It's a parasite. Yeah. <laughs> it is. This, act, this actually happened this, uh, in Texas somewhere. So, of course. <laughs> exactly. Right. So the, the, the takeaway is stay, stay away from Texas, I think. All right. Uh, number two, man asks if clinic has any, <laughs> I can't even read this one. Man asks if clinic has any visual aids he can use to produce urine sample. True or false? True. He came, he came, he came straight from the fertility, uh, fertility clinic. So we figured maybe it was the same situation. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, staff at the Louisville medical clinic. Uh, oh, provide- too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave, true or false? Uh, it sounds like it's true. That one is false. Oh, that really? False. The onion, the onion crafted. That. Oh, okay. <laughs> A couple more real quick for you. Drunk man report. <laughs> Drunk man reported missing joined search party for himself. Yes, for true sure. True or false? Like true. the one who didn't answer the phone when they were trying to find him. Yeah, you true. read that story. That, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, this was in Turkey. And uh, he came across members of the search party, decided to help them find the missing person, realized he was the focus of the search. <laughs> Is that when they gave him the poster or something? Is that when he figured yeah, it out? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Hey, moron, it was you. All right. Good one. Um, headline number four, study shows, <laughs> study shows tapping cheek with pointer finger still number one way to get a little kiss. That's false, dude. Just straight That's onion false. headline. That's old for us. Uh, yeah, that one's false. I just love that. I just, I get the visual of like, come here, give me a little kiss. Yeah, right, that, that one's false. Last one, five-hour bus tour of Hong Kong caters to sleep deprived. That is true. That sounds true. It is true. Can you believe that? That just yeah. blew me away, man. I I read that caters one. I go sleep deprived. Yeah, you ride yeah. around the bus and sleep. Put on you the do. headset. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a bus tour intended to. Low... That's called. That's called homeless people in, in, in uni <laughs> up in San Francisco. That's yeah. what we call it around here. Yeah. You're right. You're right. All right. Yeah. That's all I got. That's the headline right. of the week. Yeah. All right, we got we got rep fire and refer and then the outro music and then we're out of here. So, Kevin, you put this down. We have Aaron Rodgers, Joe Manchin, and Dave Portnoy. Uh, Jeff, you get to rep fire or refer this, and I know you're not used to doing that, but you are going to do it. Okay, today. so who 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 are my choices again? Aaron Rodgers, 
Aaron Rodgers this morning, not yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah these are current events, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, uh, the vaccinated, unvaccinated, COVID positive uh, yeah. football player. Okay. Joe Manchin. Uh, he's immunized, though, by the way. He's immunized. He's, he's just immunized. not vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. Joe, Joe Manchin, who is um, West Virginia senator, who's just kind of mucking things up. Shit up, man. Yeah. 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 Um, And David Portnoy is Kevin. Jump in here. Barstool guy. Red. Honestly, I just saw that this morning. Yeah. That was just a takedown, man. What did he do today? So I'm not, I'm not up to speed on the, on the last two stories to be uh, honest. So I'll I'll still have an opinion, but I don't know what they did. did The mansion stuff is just your, you know, like it's what's been going on, right? It's just, you know, like he's holding up all the, uh, infrastructure and the uh and the president's uh you know signature uh, legislation and so i just thought we'd throw him in because i don't know like he seems like a tough person to represent or maybe not i don't know that's why it's to you but that that's joe manchin's story and the portnoy story was just like you know this guy is basically like trolling you know barely legal girls on the internet and just sounds like a like a creep uh and he's ahead uh, he's ahead of thousand word takedown yeah He's the head of Barstool Sports, right? It's he's Barstool. a millionaire right think, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a media mogul, but, you know, he just, uh, I don't know. He's kind of, you know, he just seems like a dick. But, I, yeah, if you, if, if you get a chance, check out the story because it's uh, it's it's uh, an interesting read. But it, it just, you know, kind of, I, I don't know. I think this guy kind of probably has been out there acting this way for a long time. And a lot of these stories are not new, but... Uh, yeah. OK, so this is pretty this is actually pretty easy. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, fire the West Virginia guy because I already have two West Virginia clients, Brad Smith uh, from Intuit, who now just took over. I think he's a university president and also uh, John Chambers, my buddy from West Virginia. OK, Portnoy, I'm going to refer, um, you know, he's got a good thing going with the pizza. It's a really interesting story that that company we got tagged the cube years ago that we had a big um, overlap with that audience from like Barstool Sports, Barstool Sports. And that was before they grew like bananas. Um, and then I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, rep Aaron Rodgers. I think there's wow. there's something there. And he's a funny guy and he's got kind of a smart ass attitude. So I think it would be uh, certainly entertaining. And he's a local guy. I think that's where I'm going. Even, even if he's endangering his teammates by uh, telling everybody. Well, none of guys. you didn't give me three good choices, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right, man. Actually, yeah. these were all <laughs> shitty choices. Good point. <laughs> and I'd maybe hang out with him for 10 days because he doesn't have a lot going on for the next 10 days. Yeah. So that might yeah, be that's a good point. He's supposed to self-isolate, though, Jeff. That's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it. Thanks, Jeff. You have a you, before we go, we give you a chance to choose an outro song, and uh, you chose something by the Dirty Heads. You want to give us a little? Yeah. So uh, right before COVID started, and back to the point, Kevin, we were talking earlier about your kids. Uh, really um, done a good job of enjoying music with the kids. So we went to this big reggae festival called Reggae Cali Fest, One Love, uh, down in Long Beach at the Queen Mary. Uh, and it was in early February and I put a playlist together so we could learn some of the songs of the bands that we weren't as familiar with. And the first one was the song that you're going to play. And if you'll hear it, Vacation, which basically is, you know, all of our dreams. Right. If you if you have the opportunity to do what you love uh, every day, then you're never going to work a day in your life. And that's really the theme of that song. And I thought it was kind of appropriate today. I played right before COVID and uh, following in the footsteps of you great entrepreneurs. I'm happy to. Uh, to be uh, joining the crew about a year into this. Works for us. Thanks for being here, man. This was great. 
Thank you for being here, Jeff. It was fun to have you on the show. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your show. And uh, again, c- congratulations on the success and, and do pay that guy double whatever you paid. I'm just, <laughs> I want to get my t-shirt. Yeah. All right, y'all. Take care. Hey, hey, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey. Hey, I'm on vacation. If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it. Hey, I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation every single day, every, every single day. Every single day, every single day. Everybody sour like a lemon tree. I'm just smiling down upon my enemies. Do the shit and love it on.